0: Hey, this is Jay. Before we start the episode, I wanted to share some really exciting news. Calibra was just named a leader in the 2023 Forrester Wave Report for data governance solutions. If you don't know what the Forrester Wave is, it's essentially a guide for us buyers considering options for our software. If you want to get to know Forrester a bit better, go back and check out our recent episodes with Raluca Alexandru and Michelle Getz from Forrester. I love these conversations. We had a total blast and I can't resist making a plug here either. To learn more about the report, go to Calibra.com slash data download dash dash DG. And we're going to put all of that in the show notes as well so that it's easy for you to navigate to them and check out those reports. All right, back to the show. This is the Data Download, your guide to upping your game when it comes to managing and accessing data in your organization. For Calibra, I'm your host, Jay Miller. So a long time ago, a former colleague of mine taught me this phrase, the accomplished children have no shoes. (laughs) What does that mean? It means, you know, when you're occupied with serving others, you often don't have any time available to help your own self. It kind of pops into my head, you know, when thinking about many of us here in the data governance profession, we wind up serving our companies across each area of our business by helping them to instill trust in their data. That's the gig, right? So how do we show the importance of that work though? I'm thinking it can help to tie that work, the data governance work, to how each company and its departments are using data to do their jobs, to achieve their mission, right? And meet their goals. Data governance is helping that. I've also been pretty curious lately about the world of healthcare. And specifically, I'm wondering how data helps to improve health outcomes for patients, especially when they need it most. So of course we got ourselves an expert. Let's dig in.
1: I'm Roy Schmidt, and uh, I am the data governance program manager for Envision Healthcare. I've been working in the field for about 10 years, started at uh, EPMG, Emergency Physicians Medical Group back in Michigan. And uh, we were acquired, and I started working for Envision about five years ago. Uh-huh. Our, our data governance program has been in place about a little more than a year now. One of the things I want to do this year is evangelize a little bit about the program, just because I'm proud of it. I think what I'm going to focus on are the things that we did well, uh-huh. but also the sort of the luck that we had. But one of those lucky things was having executive support, but also just the fact that I feel like I'm the right person in the right place for this job. If you go back 10 years... I was doing software development. I was creating dashboards. I was doing analytics, and things happen like you try to run a SQL query and the query crashes. Yeah, you look at the data and you find out. All right, well that's because there's characters in the numeric field. So yeah right, yeah, right, right, right. So you have a few choices, and what I always like to do is go back to the line of business and say, "Look, you have some data in the wrong spot here. Let's not just fix it, but let's find out what in your process is allowing that to happen." So Mm. I always wanted to feed all the way back to the person entering the data. And over time, I learned, okay, I was doing data governance, right? Yeah, I was doing sneaker net data governance.
0: You weren't just, uh, let's say, discovering a bug and trying to get the bug fixed. It sounds like what you're doing is you detected a bug. And through the course of diagnosing what was going on, you wanted to understand what led to that from a business standpoint. Like, what were the decisions made, the processes that led to Bad data, let's say, that were in your query. So this, is that? Do I have that about right? You do. And then
1: it was a matter of talking with the head of credentialing and saying, you know, how uh-huh. can we help you improve your processes so this
0: doesn't happen in future? That is awesome. You, you were doing data governance before there was uh, data governance, practically, right? right. Pretty neat. Right. Yeah, pretty neat. I, I love stories like that. So, Roy, let's back up just a bit. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about your company, your sector, so that it kind of frames where, we're, where, where we go next.
1: Certainly. So. Envisions what's called a multi specialty physician group. Right. So that sounds kind of complicated, but basically we, we employ clinicians, right? So we have like, let's say, 25,000 clinicians working for us. And then, really, 25,000? Yes. And the next thing you would hear on the website or you would read would, would be something like we partner with hospitals and health systems to provide and deliver care. Well, what does that mean? So uh, the best example I can give you is when I worked for emergency physicians medical group, what we would do is we would approach a hospital and we would say, why don't you let us manage your emergency room? Because if you think about it, the hospital has to take care of payroll. They have to take care of hiring. They have to take care of scheduling, which is like shift work, and they have to take care of credentialing. That's not in their wheelhouse of their back office, right? We're set up to do that. So What we would do is either hire all their emergency department physicians or be able to use some of our own. So when you went into the emergency room at your local hospital, it might actually be emergency physicians medical group and not you know, whatever, St. Joe's Hospital. The hospital's staff. Exactly, exactly. Interesting. So so Envision does that on a much greater scale, right? And they spent many years acquiring and merging with companies uh, that did this across emergency medicine, hospitalist, radiology, anesthesiology, surgery. So that's why we say multi-specialty physician group We partner with health systems and hospitals.
0: So is this national in the U.S.? Is it regional?
1: It's across the U.S. We have over a 1,000 facilities. We're seeing like 30 million patients a year. Wow. It's a lot in the East Coast, Florida, Nashville, Denver. But it is across the entire U.S., sure.
0: How does that work with insurance? So if there are Envision physicians at a hospital and I have to go to that hospital and I'm, let's say I'm in their insurance network... How does that work with coverage with your physicians that are sort of sitting there? Or- yeah, it's complicated as you can imagine. So, <laughs> so we, we should we do an episode <laughs> yeah, on that? Yeah, we probably have to do. <laughs> Sorry, just
1: on that. So, certainly we have contracts with the facility, so like with the hospital, yeah. so that we are acting as if employed by the hospital. So we're under the same sorts of contracts with payers. Oh, uh, okay, and then. We also do billing, right? So, we take care of that aspect. So, we can track okay. patient uh-huh. visits and procedures, and we can do the billing, and we can try to make sure that the patients are reimbursed fairly or we're reimbursed fairly. And that, you know, eventually leads its way back to this conundrum of having so much data and being able to
0: uh, to make sure that the billing is done properly and uh, tracked, yeah. Right. Okay, so let's start getting into data intelligence and data governance in this in this sort of environment that we that you just explained for us, right? Sure. So you process billing, you're managing these contracts, that's what you do, and you've got these partnerships with hospitals and other locations and facilities. Basic is going to wind up being data sharing, privacy controls, HIPAA, things like that. Walk us through a little bit on the regulatory, data governance, let's say, responsibilities that you have? Mm -hmm. How does that work in this industry, uh, especially for your part of it? So that's key. That's huge, right? It's sharing.
1: And uh, I did some thinking about this in advance. And uh, of course, I think everybody probably is aware of this problem of of data sharing in the healthcare arena, right? So we have what are called EMRs, Mm -hmm. Electronic Medical Record Systems. So one of the important things is privacy through HIPAA, right? So this protects a patient from having their information shared, okay? So that's a good thing. On the other hand, it's a hindrance because it doesn't allow entities or even yourself to view all your data in one place. So we all know what it's like to have to go to five different portals. Right, right. So just the fact that there's so much data and privacy is so important, but we want to connect it all together... We have had to create different kinds of comprehensive data strategies over the years and corrections, right, Right, to lean more towards privacy or more towards sharing. But the key is, and this is where data governance comes into the picture, a comprehensive data strategy is useless without data governance, right? So you can connect all these sources together, but, Jay, if they have your name spelled wrong in one of the systems, right, Mm -hmm. or they have Mm -hmm. disparate patient IDs that can't match up together – what good is it to have your your information connected together? So data quality tries to get inside the data and make sure that there is integrity, completeness, accuracy. Right. The strategy is useless if you don't have good,
0: trusted data behind it. Right. So you're managing all of that. Exactly. Right. Oh, that's great. Okay. So why don't we back up once more? What is your definition of data intelligence and data governance, those two terms for you, specifically in your in your sector? Let's just do a a quick definition.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to apologize because I'll I'll lean heavily on data governance just because that's the program and that's my passion. Data governance is formalizing the processes that we already have in place for assuring trust in our data and formalizing the roles that we already have in place for doing that same thing. So basically what we're doing is we're saying the average person who works with data cares about their job, which means they're going to do the right thing when it comes to entering data or answering questions. So they already have kind of a role as a data governance person, right? And they're already working on some sort of processes to make sure that they're doing the right thing with their data. So that's data governance to me. It doesn't match this idea of having data governance councils and a foundation and a structure and being a data cop. Uh, That's the last thing that I want to convey to people. I want. I always wanted to convey to people that you're already doing data governance just like I was doing 10 years ago. So now let's just find ways that we can help you. How can we be of help as a program,
0: right? Formalizing processes to ensure trust in, in your data. Exactly. Right? And you said existing process, which is interesting. It goes back to the way that I wanted to approach starting this program. I didn't
1: want to come in and tell someone, we're going to come up with a process that you need to follow and we're going to install this software that you need to start using. Ah, I
0: see. Yeah. But yeah. I,
1: I still say it, You know, most people care about their jobs, they care about doing a good job, which means they are following some sort of process. And you talk to people, I can remember distinctly talking to my friend Terry in payroll and saying, okay, so how do we make sure that the NPI is formatted properly between your system and the credentialing system? And she pulled out this Word doc or PDF and said, well, someone wrote up this guideline of data entry. I'm like, great, so you have a process It's just kind of a secret process that only you guys know about. All right, (laughs) It's in the draw. So let's formalize that. So so there are processes out there. And what you really want to do is help them evangelize them.
0: And then when you said also before, your definition does not include, we have to form councils and this and that, other bureaucracy and protocol and all. You may do that, but it's not part of the definition, right? That's maybe an implementation detail. Is that maybe how I should think about those structures and... Things. Exactly.
1: Yeah. That comes down the road. All that stuff is very important, but you don't have to talk about that. You can just build it as needed. And one of the things we did is we set up a data governance council early on, but we found that there wasn't a lot for them to do right away. So if you really look into the theory behind a data governance program, that's one of the first things that it says, you need this data governance council to be making these decisions. And after about four months of meetings, I said, you know, we're just working so hard on these use cases we haven't had any decisions to be made yet. So I would have much preferred if we just waited until we really needed you guys and then we had our first meeting.
0: So, yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sort so, of uh, admitting some lessons learned right off the bat. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I,
1: I think it always comes back to yeah. doing the real things before you try to jump into the strategic things that you're told you need to do when you don't really need them until you need them. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, what you're telling me is small wins build up. Over time, as you as you succeed, right, and by leveraging what mm-hmm. people are already doing, it's not much of a stretch than to just formalize that and make it a habit or known or maybe even automated.
1: You're absolutely spot on, Jay. And the key is, if you look at the like the holy trinity of people, process, technology. Okay, which of those three is going to accomplish what you just talked about? A mm-hmm. technology win without process or people? No, it's going to be the people. You're going to get the wins with the individuals, then you can build process on top
0: of that, then you can build technology on top of that. Roy, I'm telling you I'm learning a lot from you myself and this is, this is fantastic. I love how you've approached the beginning stages of your program. I've been looking at, at your website. Okay. And I see a lot of data <laughs> right on the website, right? Uh, 144,000 newborns, 8 million radiology reads, right? There's a lot of data that's impacting healthcare right on your front page right how is data helping healthcare outcomes right so mm-hmm. how is it informing how you do radiology reads for instance and improving the care people get yeah
1: i'll zoom out a little bit and then drill back into it so first of all i was going to say like welcome to the growth economy right because it it hits everything including healthcare. Uh-huh. So every year there are more and more opportunities for you to receive healthcare, including in some states, you know, you don't even need uh, referrals to go to, let's say physical therapy or x-ray or stuff like that. So the opportunities just keep growing, right, right. which means the data sets keep growing, right? And at the same time, we are always trying to collect more attributes, right? So years ago, like one of the most basic attributes would be the time it takes when you first go into the emergency room until you see a doctor. So that's a classic time uh, interval. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's important, right? So all we have to do is we have to mark the time you got there and we have to mark the time you see a doctor. So obviously, certainly very important, right? You might see that on a billboard somewhere, right? Our door-to-dock time is, is less than 15 minutes, whatever, guaranteed. Well, now as we expand data sets, people have these brilliant ideas like all right, sometimes in the emergency room, people contract sepsis. So let's add another interval. Let's say if someone is suspected of having sepsis or it's diagnosed, can we get them started on treatment within 60 minutes? So now these are two new attributes that have to be added, right? And what that does is that allows us then to look over time and say, okay, for this shift or this facility or this, heaven forbid, this clinician, Uh how well are we achieving that that 60-minute interval for the sepsis. So what that does is it allows us to accumulate these quality metrics and these, this quality information, right? And it's quality of care. It is, it metrics, is quality of and, care.
0: Or quality of conditions of patients also,
1: yeah, I guess, right? right? That's just one example. I mean, there are many of these. In fact, if we get into timestamps, I
0: can probably list to you 50 that we try to capture. What do you do once you see outliers or variants from... You know someone's expectation or targets on door to dock and those sorts of metrics that you're tracking what do you do with that yeah we have teams who really care about this stuff and you know on the one
1: hand you have sort of regulatory groups who will incentivize us to um, improve our quality but you also have people who do you know statistical charts of these things and they look for outliers and they look for places where we can improve and One of the huge advantages we have being a large physician group is we can use what's called a doc and ed, documentation and education program, to improve processes across the board, right? So if we have 25,000 clinicians and we're seeing this sort of sepsis problem, let's let's just say, for example, we can put a training program into place immediately for 25,000 people and prep them to be aware of this and to be ready for it. And that, of course, is gonna just change population health, at least for our patients in, let's say, emergency rooms. Wow, okay, so there's,
0: boy, there's so much involved. Let's get back to your data governance program. You said that you hoped you would be able to build a program. You're real excited about it. And now you you know, you've just walked us through, let's say, the results of some of the results of your program, right? Mm-hmm. So tell us how did you get started, right? So you went you walked in with some hope. <laughs> uh, but hope is not a strategy, I like to say. Right, right. right. Uh, so, yeah. so you, you probably had a strategy. You probably had a plan. What? How did you go from hope to an actual program? Tell, tell us I that. I'm, I'm so curious. I and
1: I think hope is sometimes tied with fear, right? But but, <laughs> but fear can be a good thing because it means you care, right?
0: Well, there's lives on, there's yeah. literal lives on the line in what, in what you're doing. So, you know, I have... Lots of respect for for that responsibility there. So let's get into the the plan. Sure.
1: And there's a lot of anecdotal sort of, you know, you might sit around at a conference and talk to other executives and they say, yeah, we tried data governance once and the program completely failed. And or I heard someone else did it and it failed. So I was worried about that. I think I'm very aware of the fact that you can't lead with an app, right? You don't want to scare people. You don't want to intimidate people. So you really have to craft a message. And the other thing is, I was just doing a little bit of yeah. personal research last year and learning about communication and how important it is to listen. Mm-hmm. And so I just had this idea was like, all right, what if instead of talking about the data governance program and instead of talking about the application, I just talked to people across the organization say, what do you do? And what kind of data do you work with? And what are your problems? What are your issues? We talked to almost 100 people. And, and since then, we have talked to over 100 people and just spent... Five minutes saying, you know, we want to find ways to improve the trust in our data. So, we're just talking to everyone uh, and talking to important people like you, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So, tell us about your pain points. And these people would just spill for 20, 25 minutes. Tell us about 50 different apps that they have to deal with. And by the time we were done, then we we took a lot of good notes. And then we said, okay, so we're thinking about, you know, maybe starting a program to help people right. like you. And there might be yeah. some software that could help with that. But we didn't push anything. And by the end of the conversation, in so many cases, people would say, okay, we want in, right? Put us on the list. We want to know more about this program. We want to know more about this software. And so it ended up being a listening thing. And the kind of message that I got from that is like, it seems like the best way to tell someone something, because that's what I wanted to do, right? I wanted to tell them we have a DGP and a software, you know, Caliber software we're going to start using I wanted to tell them that. But what I did for 30 minutes is listen. And then by the time we were done, they sort of begged to be part of the program. The other um, very fortunate uh, situation for us was that we had buy-in from the executive level from the start. And that's another anecdotal thing that you'll hear a thousand times is a program is not going to succeed if you don't have executive support. This was totally driven by the executives at Envision. So mm-hmm. I came in with a running start, basically, because of that. So it was a matter of having executive support and then getting staff-level support. Once we had those two, we had the, the sandwich in place. You've asked me a few times about sort of the value to the patient and the patient journey. So there's a thing called value-based care. Um, which is very important in the healthcare industry right now. We knew it's important to us just so we can do do the best that we can for our patients, but also it's incentivized, right? So we definitely wanted to start building a value-based care program. And again, it has to do with connecting data. And there's no point in connecting your data if your data is not good. So someone very visionary said, all right, let's under this umbrella of value-based care, let's put in a data governance program. And it's just going to be small. We're going to have one half an FTE and we're just going to get it started so we can at least take care of the data that we need for VBC. So that's how I came into the picture. Mm-hmm. So value-based care drove that and that was driven at the executive level. So what they did is they hired they hired my boss, John Mark Morelli, to strategize on enterprise data. And then they left it up to him to build this data governance program. I had been just sort of making it known that I was interested in data governance. The timing was just right. He tapped me to do it. Somehow I schmoozed him into giving me the position. And, <laughs> and, and here we are. You <laughs> schmoozed with your SQL skills. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, I'm certainly, I'm certainly not one to... Um, to speak eloquently uh, about the technical aspects, or at least a year ago, I wasn't, right? I had been doing, like I said, I've been doing sneaker net data governance, so I knew exactly what it was and how to do it. But if you asked me the, about the different terms for things, I didn't I didn't care that much at that time. Right. I just
0: wanted to make it work, right? So you walked us through your approach at working with your colleagues around your organization, but even backing up. Is value-based care, is it imposed by regulations? Is it, is it just... Altruism? Like, what inspires yeah. that uh, for an executive team to want to do? Tell, I just want to understand it more. This is the first time I'm really hearing the okay. term. Okay.
1: So, there's some regulatory involvement, but let me, so let me just step back and, and talk about, let's say, when I was young, living in a small town in Wisconsin, I had a family doctor, right? Mm-hmm. So, everything about me was in his head and in my chart in his files, right? And he guided my care. So, he was a good doctor. So, as far as the value and value-based care, he, he guided it completely, right? It was totally in his, in his place. Mm-hmm. So over time, these family doctors were replaced by health systems, right? But the problem then is you no longer have one person who's taking care of your health. Data is just a, a mess. It's not in one localized place anymore. So the opportunity is wonderful, But along the way, I think regulatory agencies sort of looked at this and said, yeah, but now we're getting away from the fact that we're not moving a patient towards a solution or towards a cure. They're just bouncing around on their own. So now we have to step in and we have to mandate that you're not going to be reimbursed or you're going to be incentivized to make sure that you move towards a place of value for these patients. Oh, and so that is that is part of the regulation? Yes. yes. So that is value-based care, wow. right? That is value-based uh-huh. care. And as you can imagine, and I think we've touched on this before already, that means you have to connect the data from all these sources and the data has to be good. And the main things are, I have to be able to match my patient ID across all these different procedures and make sure that we're identifying the right facilities and the right providers to tie it all together. And then the benefits to the patient are, you know, you can find these anywhere. I mean, it's going to be lower costs. Yeah. It's going to
0: be quicker cures. It's going to be greater satisfaction. Right. So, so everybody can win with better data through this. I guess with an organization of your size, you have the better chance than smaller, maybe more regional providers to to succeed at this. The scale that you can make impacts on value of care, value-based care, is is just exponentially higher just because of the scale. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And it's beneficial to us as well.
1: You know what it's like right now, trying to go to a restaurant and they're still not fully staffed, right? So if there was a way for them to pull back and sort of reduce reduce the work so they could focus just more on high value, it's similar to that for us. If we don't have to see so many patients for unnecessary procedures, then it would allow us to staff more effectively and just do the right things, we would get reimbursed less overall, right? Because we're not doing unnecessary procedures, but we would be reimbursed a little more because we're doing value-based care, and that is more fair,
0: right? Yeah, and I guess maybe it turns into a different kind of volume benefit too, right? Because if you're able to help patients move through a system faster because of all of these analytics that you're able to do, the next patient that comes in doesn't have to wait to get service. They can start moving in through the system themselves faster. Exactly. So your volume helps you on that, you know, your own income standpoint because you're still you're able to handle and, and help more patients, uh, you know, in parallel. That's a good point. That yep, way.
1: that's a good point. So it's sort of it's yeah. sort of
0: like a domino effect, huh. right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I guess like your restaurant analogy, you if you're able to if you're able to to get the food to the <laughs> to the diner faster, uh, you can get more diners in when they're done, right? I guess it's kind of, maybe that's
1: a bad analogy. No, no, but. I think it's close. And I think also that what it's going to do is it's going to improve satisfaction. So word's going to get out. Uh, yeah, that yeah, yeah. I can actually get into this restaurant now. So then you're going to get gradually back up to full speed, but you're going to be doing things the right, way you want to right. do them, not the way you were forced
0: to. So if your data governance program is helping to identify quality problems that were previously only detected through manual effort, and now you're able to automate the detection and resol- resolution of those quality problems, whatever that use case is, now goes faster. Exactly. Whatever the business or patient value from that fasterness, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, whatever yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, whatever
0: that whatever that value yeah. is, that's that's your success measure, isn't it? Could could it be like if sepsis outcomes are improved because of a data quality improvement you've made? Boom. Isn't that the measure? Yeah,
1: I, I think it is. I think it is. I, I think the key is that other people will, will also want a piece of that, that credit for, uh, for making Fine. that happen. Everybody um, can win. It, it's, it, <laughs> sometimes I think of that. Do you remember the old BASF commercials, which is like, we don't make the tape. We make it better. Uh, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, a lot of times, that's what I think. That, that's what we're doing, right? Um, so it's really hard to step in and say, okay, we did this, but if you
0: didn't have us, it w- it wouldn't have been possible to do, right? I'm seeing the word influence. Yeah. yeah right. So you're yeah. you're influencing an outcome. You may not be the only sole cause of causing you know that outcome, but you're you've certainly influenced it. Yeah. For so sure. Yep. Data governance pros out there listening to this, yeah. let's let us let us help Roy. Right. Let's help Roy come yes. up with some numbers. Yeah, right? we're, uh, this We're taking your calls. <laughs> the uh, the the phones are lighting up right now. <laughs> <laughs> the lights <phones> are up. <laughs> so so Roy. This program sounds amazing. You're helping the health of the world uh, improve as a result of this program. I I, I feel so inspired today. What's next? Like, wh- wh- where are you taking this next in the future? So, I have this theory,
1: and this is going to ring, you know, similar to something I said before. But um, I kind of believe that things need to evolve in, like, that, like, the Star Trek way, where when they come upon an advanced society, it's always a bunch of farmers dressed in gauze, growing potatoes, right? It's not like the Jetsons. Because if you think about it, things, things for us are just becoming more and more complex and bigger, right? Uh-huh. But we can't just yeah. keep building bigger apps to manage this stuff. It's like, okay, we have data lakes now. Are they going to be data oceans in the future? Um, mm-hmm. If that's the case, someone has to learn these bigger and more complicated apps to use these things, Right. But the fact is, it's back to people, right? If people wanna become truly good uh-huh. data citizens, they have to remember the people comes first and then the process and then the technology and those second steps are useless without it. So I'm yeah. always gonna keep pushing it back and that's the future for me is trying to evangelize to people that none of this is important if we don't take care of the individual. And that's that's all I care about for the future. I don't wanna see bigger and better more technology. I just wanna say uh, to keep, evangelizing and getting engagement from the human being.
0: Well, that was an education, huh? (laughs) What an inspiration Roy is on so many levels. When, when we're thinking of creating a new data governance program at our company, you know, maybe any kind of technology program for that matter, you know, we can help the whole initiative by first meeting with lots of people around the organization to understand their jobs, the business process they follow, uh, how they're using data, you know, like really understand what they do and how, including what their pain points are, what goes slow, what feels wrong, broken, what sucks, right? Then... By the time you bring up the fact that you're kind of chewing on a data governance program and some technology to see if that can help, many of those folks, well, guess what? Some of them are going to become your champion. They want this kind of program. They're going to help you do it. So don't lead with the app, right? And don't try to scare people into data governance. That's not the way to do it. All right. Now, speaking of those pain points, those data pain points, a lot of that is centered on, you know, the business wanting to do do more with data, but they don't have enough of it, or it was slow to gather, or the quality is just poor. Now, of course, tools can help with all of that, but the kicker for me was the careful thought put into understanding how the business processes themselves led to those conditions in the first place, right? This is often about behaviors and protocols in the business. Again, how data is created and collected, Knowing all of that helps you think of process solutions, automation, right? Your data intelligence systems then help to validate business rules with quality and policy checks as you then make actual improvements for those fellow workers who do all the work. This is a win-win. Data trust comes from definition and meeting, and also quality and process automation. So that leads me to this. All of what Roy is doing is for the express purpose of helping this very large healthcare provider to do what? To provide better care. The concept of value-based care. They are measurably improving patient outcomes through this work with data governance. Their KPI is called door-to-doc. And what is that? That's getting ER patients seen by a doctor faster. And that means better medical outcomes for that person. And it's a person after all, right? It's not a number. If this data governance program is identifying data issues and processes that hospital workers, medical staff, and all, everything that they're doing, right? And then they get fixed, those, those processes, or simply just leveraged in analytics to then speed up, people's lives are better. This is really impactful to me. This is telling me that the, the value of your data governance program can be measured by how data is helping your company conduct its business meeting its goals, serving its customers. Every corporate KPI's performance is influenced by the data governance program itself, whatever difference our companies are trying to make out there. If we're doing data governance like Roy, we're helping to make that difference, and we can all get behind that. For Calibra, this is the Data Download. I'm your host, Jay Miller and I'll see you next time. even more insight into managing your data, visit Calibra.com slash podcast for additional resources on the topics covered in our show. Be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a new episode. And a five-star review certainly doesn't hurt our chances with the algorithm. It's all about the algorithm, isn't it folks? It's a great way to help us reach new listeners and we truly do appreciate your support. The Data Download is a production of Calibra in collaboration with Stories Bureau.